We we can we can dial the game up if you like. Okay, smooch, tell smooch. me, <laughs> tell me, tell me just what the gayest thing you've been playing this week. The, the the gayest thing I've been playing. I have to look at what I've been playing and look for what in there is gay now. Um, I'm afraid so. Um, nothing. Okay, okay. One thing I played kind of was gayish at the end. Okay, um, okay. I completed my first playthrough of Elden Ring. Okay. Um. Exactly two months to the day after that game came out. Oh wow! It Congratulations. took me two months to make my way through it, but I did it. And um, did Trifinger Ring work? Uh, <laughs> Trifinger. <laughs> Sorry, delayed. <laughs> I've become desensitized to it at this point. <laughs> Trifinger Ring did did work. Did work um, in the end. Yeah. So <laughs> I spent about a hundred and ten hours. Um. I got my character up to about hundred level 140 by the wow. end on my big quest across the world. Um, I am aware of some of the endings that game can have. I did one that involved a witch called Vrani, who I did her quest, and basically said, Hey, the gods, they've kind of just kept fucking everything up. What if no more gods? What if we just... No gods, no masters. No gods, no masters. Yeah, and... and you know, I I go be gay with a witch in space on the moon. That's how, that's how my playthrough ended. Be gay, be gay, gay on the moon. With yeah, the witch. Yeah. Um, I very much enjoyed it mechanically. Um, it I I found a a build that was working really nicely for me. Um, toward the end, I had two different kinds of katanas, one of which shot laser beams, and. I could summon a dragon head that spewed sort of rotting breath that made things take damage over time, and I leveled them both up like as much as I could on the weapons and ran around firing moon lasers at things. It was great. Um, I ended up beating the final boss uh, on stream when I summoned some people in to help from chat. Mm-hmm. It was a real tough final boss, but we did it. It was a real clean final fight, and I mechanically... I really like that game. There are areas on the map I never went to in my first playthrough. Okay. Um, it, I feel like there is a lot of this game still that I have not seen. And, like, I could play this game over again and have a very different experience. And, like, it's a real good video game. That's a mechanically well-made video game, that. Yay. I don't, I don't think there's been a open-world video game since the original Breath of the Wild that I have been this invested in just mechanically being in the world. Mm-hmm. It, it is probably in about five years the most I've enjoyed an open world game. It's real good. Yeah. So yeah, I finished Elden Ring. It's a very good game. Hell yeah. What about you? What about you me? played? Well, I have played through almost all of the current content of a game called Planet Crafter, or The Planet Crafter, according to Steam. Aha. Uh-huh. Different the Steam differs from the actual game name. I think it's just because it's just got to early access. Uh, so I don't know if there's been some sort of like, do we call it the Planet Crafter or Planet Crafter? They, they, the, the devs haven't been sure. I, I guess so, because, uh, yeah, everything in the game, everything about the game seems to just be Planet Crafter. But Steam <laughs> is like, oh yes, the pla- you wish to play the Planet Crafter very well. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you are deposited on a planet in a tiny little pod, and you have a uh, uh, a little machine for making things out of raw materials, and you have uh, a little note basically going, this is your planet, terraform it, good luck. 
Yeah, this this seems like your sort of no man's sky subnautical-y, Here's a place, go find resources, survive kind of thing. From from what I've seen at a distance, yep. except there's no monsters, okay. there's no aliens, which makes the whole concept of because a lot of these types of games, we set the going, yes, but ultimately this is just colonialism in space. Okay, so wait, and I... the problem is very very generally yeah. like. Uh, like something like Satisfactory. You've yes. gone to a planet, you are killing off all the wildlife and exploiting all the resources. Yeah. With Planet Crafter, it is you are dumped on this planet, make it livable for other people. I'm I'm assuming weather conditions are a thing you have to survive? Uh, initially, you have uh, issues of sandstorms. It's just very hard to see. Mm. Uh, there's no oxygen on the planet, so you have to deal with yeah. that. Okay. Uh, you have to like start crafting oxygen tanks and then better oxygen tanks so that you can explore yeah. further and better. Uh, you need to make bigger backpacks so that you can carry more shit around with you. Mm. Uh, because at first you are very limited to this this tiny little basin of land. Yeah. And you can see like a crashed spaceship up on this hill, and the sky is like dark red, and everything underneath you is sand, and there's just like lumps of like. Magnesium and cobalt and yeah. iron and titanium just lying around, and it's like, okay, but if I get a couple of those, I can use my my tool, my mm. multi tool, to make a little hut. Yeah. And if I get in the little hut, I have an oxygen place. And if I build a chain of these little huts across the map, I can run from one to the other and mm. stay alive while I try and do other things. And it is quite like yes, you have to worry about your oxygen at first. You have yeah. to worry about your water. But, like, very early on in the game, it's really easy to just find raw ice, which you can just take straight to your crafting table and turn into water. Mm. There's so much of it about, and the periodic meteor showers that you get uh, actually just rain down new materials. So you don't yeah. have to worry too much about uh, where mater more materials is going to come from or that you you're using too many of them up. Yeah. And you can always deconstruct everything and you don't lose anything for deconstructing it. You get oh. all of your stuff back. Nice! Um, it is in early access. Mm. It's about 14 quid at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really pleasant. You're, you're sounding very positive about it. In in a, Okay, so in about three quite long sessions, yeah. I've, I have currently seen all of... Yeah. Pr like, there's two items still to unlock, but they will take forever... And from what I can tell, they are just, like, more of the same thing. Yeah. Not strictly speaking necessary at this point. Mm. But it, just like playing Terraforming Mars, and it's interesting because it is also a red planet, mm. you have to raise the oxygen, you have to raise the temperature, and you have to raise the pressure mm. to, to, to build an actual atmosphere. So you are, like, shooting these lasers down into the ground to build up pressure, you're building like literal heaters that sit in, inside and, and build up heat. And you are um, eventually going to start getting plant spreaders. So hmm. like I can spread grass around or I can start growing trees or algae. Hmm. Because as you go further on and the planet gets hotter and hotter, ice all over the planet starts to melt. And then yeah. the water starts to rise. Yeah. And before you know it, where you started the game is now a fucking lake. I, I did see that. I did see your starting location considerably underwater. Yeah. What like one of the most glorious moments in that game is the first time you look up the sky at the sky and realize that after like 
15, 20 hours, the sky has gone from a really deep, forbidding red mm. to, like, this beautiful bright blue. Yay! And, um, like, although the ground underneath you is gonna, still going to be quite red or, or yellow in the case of the desert areas for a while, yeah. eventually you do start to, like, spread you enough... You can see you're making a change. Yeah, you you know, you, you start to see, like, spots of grass, like, tufting Aww. up. Um, you'll see, like, the, like, whole area is just becoming really lush and grassy. And, yeah, and you're just researching more technology to be like, okay, I'm going to start spreading trees, or I'm going to send a rocket up that fires seeds into the atmosphere Mm. and just spreads plant life all over over the planet. And you've got, like, um, you can build... um, a thing in your base that monitors like what state you're at mm. like okay now you're starting to get grasses mm. now you're starting to get trees now you're starting to get insects mm. and all of these things are just things that you have brought into into being as a result of Yay. of your work and the devs have said we don't want it to be about monsters and guns and yeah all of that stuff it's it's just a meditative thing of make the thing happen there is quite a cool p- plot in the background mm. Um, I don't know where they're gonna go with that. I don't think it's finished yet. But mm. from what, like, they you'll see like crash ships all over the planet, and sometimes yeah. they'll have like messages on screens, and oh, you can okay. just like find out little tiny bits of lore. Like, there's one you find a crash ship, and um, it's like uh, they seem to be like a bounty hunter or something, or like a, an independent. Mm. And it's like, why have uh, so many different corporations? lost people in this planetary area. Oh, you're sort um, of Bermuda Triangle-esque. Where, where are all they going? You, is your mission to try and uh, find out what's going on and recover any information you have? Mm. Uh, there is a whole plot about uh, like who you are, which mm. is only sort of revealed once you get um, uh, like a satellite dish for your base oh, okay. and like um, a message screen so you can read incoming messages yeah. to you. Uh, there are like your the people who sent you here trying to contact you. Mm. There are other people trying to contact <laughs> you, and there are messages that you might find that were left for other people or to other ships. And you can like go and um, run through a ship, and that can be kind of scary because you have mm. limited oxygen and limited water. You don't know when you're going to run out of food, but it's like you're going to go in the big scary ship. Yeah, and they're quite narrow corridors. And you have to like, well, okay, I, I think I know where roughly where I'm going. I've only got this tiny little pinprick torch. Hmm. It doesn't do a great job of illuminating anything. It does that video game thing of, oh yes, I ignite, I, I light a small cone, and there is no reflected mm. light to anything else. Yeah, so, like I'm in a early two thousand survival horror. <laughs> And but it it's really quite tense. It's just like okay, I have to find my way around things. Okay, that is blocking my way. I'm gonna just like tear that down and get the rare resources from it. Oh, I found a chest. Do I have time to check the chest, or do I have to run back outside and breathe? Mm. Or did I bring like oxygen canisters with me, yeah. like spares? Um, yeah, it's it's a fun little explore, and I have largely seen everything that is there now, and I am fascinated where it is going to go. They have promised like a map that's going to be about fifty percent bigger and mm. a a vehicle. Mm. Like g- travel is initially very difficult, but eventually mm. you will get like speedy boots mm. and speedier boots and speedier still boots and like a jetpack. 
mm. and a faster jetpack. So eventually <laughs> yeah. you can like zoom from one end of the map to the other in about a minute and a half. Okay. So like at the very longest point, it's not taking a huge amount of time to get from mm. one place to the other, but you really have to work up to that. Yeah. Um, and it is weird sort of going, this was my whole world for like most of my first few days on this planet. And now... <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> now zoom me and I can go miles. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a really fun experience. Yay. And if that is all I get from a 15 quid, I think I, I've played a lot worse games. I've played yeah. a lot more for a lot worse. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What have you played? <coughs> oh, no. Uh, well, we played a thing together. Mm. Um, we finally finished playing through The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons. Yay! Um... There are moments where I really enjoyed that game, and there's a lot of moments where it felt like deliberately obtusely designed. There's no way you would know how to do this without a walkthrough, slow plodding chaos. Busy work. It. It's not. It's not a game that's designed for your modern lifestyle when you have yeah. a job. I. I. I think I said this at some point while we were playing through it. I don't remember if it was on this show or it was just something I said to you, but. <sighs> I, the the other Capcom uh, Zelda game we recently played through, Minish Cap, mm -hmm. had a lot of that sort of um, busy work in its design, and that seems to be something about how Capcom thinks about Zelda games. But I think that it felt a lot less frustrating because in Minish Cap you had a much smaller world that was much quicker to traverse, and the busy work was contained to a few discrete hubs that made sense to go back and check. Yeah, and, it was a lot of yeah. go back and do the shell thing. Yes. And, and like, the, the thing about Oracle of Seasons is it's fundamentally the same kind of design of game, except it is an original Game Boy game with, the, with a much bigger map than Minish Cap, but a much slower traversal time because every few seconds you're having to load a map scroll. Mm -hmm. Um... And I feel like that overly large map that is slow to traverse doesn't... It doesn't incentivize wandering around and trying to stumble naturally upon what to do next or where to go or where secrets are. It makes secret hunting naturally difficult and time-consuming and frustrating. And, like, we kind of fell back on a walkthrough for this because... We would get to dungeons and be like, right, cool, we can do this, and we'd play through a dungeon and yeah, have a good... Yeah, for the most part we had a, a yeah. brilliant time doing the dungeons, and... but the overworld stuff... Anytime we weren't in a dungeon, it was like, okay, pull up the walkthrough, go to this, do that, move this many screens this way, this many that way, there's a thing there. Like, th this game loves to drop collectibles and things that you would want into places you've already been much later without giving you any reason to think there would be a new thing there. Yeah, and some of it is, okay, you've now got a new season power. Yeah. But others are literally just seem to be, oh yeah, time has passed and now this thing is a thing. Yeah, like, a lot of it is is things like, hey, you know that one house that you went to earlier and there was something to do? You just have to know to go back there and go. And if it was just, if it was a small selection of places, that'd be fine. But it's, Every time you finish a dungeon, it feels like the game wants you to slowly, methodically recheck the entire map and everywhere you've already been, mm. just in case somewhere added some of something new. Yeah, and like you've got the whole thing with the kid, so you have to like constantly go back yeah. and check on the kid. You have um, like the the rings. Obviously, you're getting more of those. Yeah, remembering where you've planted planted a gacha seed. 
remembering yes. to go back and get those things. Yeah. Um, trying to work out where the five gold thingies are. Yeah. And by, I think, Dungeon 3, we had largely got bored of not not even doing side quest stuff. A lot of it was, how do I get to the next dungeon and have more fun? Yes. <clears throat> it... So it was, pull up the thing, one of us would sit there with the controller, the other one would sit there just going up, left, left, summer, right, down, winter, <laughs> uh, yeah. blow up the wall, climb over the thing, yeah. through the tree log. It's... <sighs> It is. I'm glad we played through it. Uh, through it. I'm glad yeah. I saw it through to the end. I want us at some point to go through Oracle of Ages and see yeah. that combined ending you get for oh, doing yeah. the. Because like I like that in theory, the idea of like a pair of Zelda games and they're gonna like combine and there's a final boss because you did both. Yeah. But, like they de <sighs> Capcom definitely perfected their take on a Zelda game by the time they got around to Minish Cap, and it's kind of a shame that that's the last time they really did mm. one. Because they, they learned a lot between the Oracle games yeah. and Minish. I'm glad that the whatever the third Oracle of games didn't happen. Because <sighs> they did not have enough content for a third game. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad we got through it, but it it is... It is mm, set aside the CDI games, this is probably the worst pair of Zelda games, I think. Including the, uh, Zelda 2? I mean, Zelda 2, I at least had some degree of, like, I can see a place, I'll go there. Hmm. The zoomed-out overworld at least gave me a sense of what might be progression. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a, there's a lot of time... Most of the time... Like, dungeons definitely prefer the Oracle games, but outside of dungeons, eh, maybe yeah. Zelda 2. Wow. There you go, you had it here. Look, Zelda, <laughs> Zelda 2 ain't so terrible all of the time. Oh... Um, <laughs> What about you? There's your, there's your <laughs> caption. What if, Zelda 2. It's not so awful all of the time. <laughs> what have you been playing, Jane? Uh, what have I been playing? We played some boarded games together. We did. Uh, we played some Oath. Yes. Um, Chronicles of Exiles and Empires. Or it, whatever yeah. its full title is. I imagine we've probably talked about this but a while ago on the Long show. Long time um, again. We tried playing one game of this with uh, some board game friends a while ago. And yes. we picked the wrong day to try and teach a big complicated game. It was too late. Yeah. And I, it didn't help that. Like I'd been told, like, don't open any of the things. It is set up in such a way as you can teach the game straight out of the box. And it was slightly too long to set up. Yeah. Slightly too much explanation and slightly too much, um, you have to do this. Because the first yes. two turns oh. were absolutely no independence yeah. from so, from any of the players. Yeah. The first two rounds for everybody were, you will do this, you will do this, you will do this. And occasionally people going, but Why? Yeah, so, so to be clear, this board game has a, a tutorial, and by tutorial it's not, um, like, yeah, do do this because blank, it just tells you to play turns. Yeah, and, and it is giving you an example of each of the different uh, things you can do, because you have, like, six possible actions. Yeah, but it's not a good teach. It's... I think, I, I think it could be a lot worse. Uh, it could, we, but it could we, be a lot better. Weirdly, I've seen Cole Worley teach that on a live stream, yeah. and he um, does it in a very different way to that tutorial. Yeah. And I think if that his own version of teaching this had been in the actual game, 
it would have been so much yeah. better. So, the the gist of the game <clears throat> is that you um. One person will be sort of in charge of this sort of um, kingdom that exists. The Chancellor. Uh, they'll be the Chancellor. And the Oath Keeper. And the Oath Keeper. And they have a thing they're trying to do to stay in power, like like maybe control the most areas of the map or yeah. uh, have the, the people's favour or something like yep. that. Or the darkest secret. Yep. And there's a couple... Everyone else is trying to win in a couple of different ways. They're either trying to... Be better than the current ruler at the thing that's keeping them in power, mm-hmm. or if they're in exile and they're not part of the, uh, they're not a citizen of that land, they can do things like getting visions that will be alternate win conditions that they can use to sort of take over. And the game is limited to what eight rounds, mm-hmm. um, and like rounds six, seven, and eight, um, the current ruler gets to start rolling dice to see yep. if. They can win the game as long as power. they are the current ruler and they are still keeping the oath. Yeah. Then they get to roll the thing. The only thing that would stop them winning at that point is if there is a citizen in play yeah. and the citizen has completed the yeah. successor roll. Because um, at that point, if you yeah. roll that number and that person is the successor, then they take the win. Yeah. And basic, yeah. If it, there is a time limit on this game in that there are, I think, eight rounds total, mm-hmm. and if you haven't, you know, overthrown the current ruler by then, they stay in power. And, yeah, it's a neat game. Uh, yeah. The reason yeah. we got back into it is because there's a, a clockwork There, There, there is an automa. Uh, yeah. Yes, called the Clockwork Prince, who can play either as the Chancellor or as an Exile. Yeah. Um, so I've played a single-player game against the Clockwork Prince. I initially found it quite tricky to, like, use... Hmm. Because it doesn't feel like the instructions really explain enough. Hmm. Like, there are icons on the board that aren't actually explained in the rules Uh as written specifically for the Automa. And all of the Automa's rules are written on one sheet. Yeah. Also, it's made by Leda Games. And Hmm. all of their instruction manuals look like legal documents. Yes. It's like, this thing, subsection this, subsection that, you will be able to find the answer. And if you're on the internet and someone goes, what's the rule for this? And they go, oh yes, it's section five, subsection this, article B. Yeah. You Then they can go exactly go to their manual and check it, that exact thing. But sometimes there just doesn't seem like, sometimes the answer is written on your player board. Sometimes mm. the answer is specifically written on the card. Sometimes it's written on like uh like the the back of the Grand Scepter has rules about how the Grand Scepter's used. Yes. But sometimes if if an if you cannot find a particular answer, it seems like there is almost no way of getting one. Mm. Um and they're like, check the Discord. So you go on the Discord and the Discord is like there are like rules and instructions and hot messages about how to get things. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you will be able to find yeah. an answer in the way you want to. Which doesn't necessarily help with deciphering the uh, the complex flow chart that is deciding what this automated player will do. Yep, and like how it will pay for those things. Yeah. What it will, what it actually has the ability to do. Yeah. Because it's not always super clear. Hmm. Um, yeah, but I think we've... Yeah. You, you, you played a game against it and like... Got your head around it enough that we could play a three-player yes. game. So it was we us. might not be playing it entirely correctly, it but works. like we we are certainly getting the same things that I've had people online say about it, like okay. the fact that it will, if given any opportunity, 
hoard all of the favour in the game. Yes. It, it will stockpile all the resources. So and... I'm, I'm seemingly playing it at least as well as other people online. <laughs> um, and it, it seems to sort yeah. of play in a relatively sensible way. Yeah. Uh, um, and and genuinely quite competitive. Yeah. It, it generally, generally, my experience with a couple of games we played was that it will stockpile resources basically until there is an imminent threat, mm-hmm. and then throw all of its stockpiled resources at making sure that that imminent threat cannot be successful. So basically, at the start of its turn, it will check for a threat. If it's the same threat as last time, it will stay in the same quadrant of its brain. And then it will draw three cards. If there are any of, of the cards show a battle plan, it will increase its tactics marker which means it gets to roll more dice when it attacks. Mm. Um, and then it will go about trying to do other things, like if it's trying to get the people's favour, because that's the the current Chancellor's oath yeah. so, to hold the people's favour, then it will try and hoard as much cash as possible, and as soon as it can either buy or fight the current holder, yeah. it will do so. Yeah. Um, if it can't, it will just loop back around and try and, and do that again. Yeah. It makes sense. It will not start a fight unless it can roll more dice than the person it's playing. Against, yeah, it, which makes sense. Yeah, it seems it seems reasonably well set up this flow chart. Yeah. And considering Cole Worley said he'd made it in like an afternoon, that's it's it, not bad. Yeah, it largely seems to make sensible decisions. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's um. Yeah, obviously it's got its own rules about a lot of things. Mm. Uh, it uses cards differently. It doesn't have a hand. Um, it won't, uh, obviously you can't negotiate with it or anything like that. Mm. And it really feels like a lot of this game is best sat around with a group of people going, okay, look, you don't want them to win. You don't want them to win. Why don't we form a small alliance (laughs) and, and, and do something or other. And a lot of the game is built around that. And also the, the stories, like, because... From the very first game, I have been writing a little journal. The little, um, yeah, it's what's it called? Ledger. Um, yeah. So basically, basically, it encourages you to write what happened to the world, like mm. uh, who uh, took power or kept power, uh, who um, uh, who lost or who became a citizen, mm. um, what things were used yeah. in order to to do that. And at the end of the game, which faction put more cards into the pool mm. uh, than than the others? Because at the end of the game, at the end of a game, the person who won of their advisors, uh, there are six factions. Yeah. And whichever is the most popular amongst their advisors, three of those cards, and then there is like a little sort of circle diagram mm. of of like Pokemon. Uh, elements. <laughs> it's like so. If you had uh, more, like say, I had m- most discord, so I put three discord cards. Then I think uh, two arcane and one order. Yeah. And those cards come out of this like p- a little library in the box. You add the cards without looking them. You shuffle them into the pile. Um, but also six cards are going into the dispossessed, not to be seen for a very long time. Yeah. And just the the way you can write little stories, like at the end of the last game, I won based on holding... I was a, a citizen and I held the darkest secret. Yes. Which made meant that I became uh, the uh, successor. 
But the card that kept me holding on to the darkest secret was a card called Insomnia. Yeah. Which meant that every time I went to sleep, I got a new secret. Yeah. So when I was writing the, the journal at the end, it was like, yep, I became really, 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 really chaotic. You saw the dark I, secret I, and you couldn't sleep and anymore. I couldn't and the stop gathering more, more secrets to myself. And now I'm really paranoid. <laughs> And I've that's that's sort of how I'm flavoring going into the next game. Yeah, um, it, it is quite. It's getting quicker, but it is a long pack down. Yes. If if you want the game to flow, if you want the game to be easy to un- unpack and get to the table, you need to spend a decent amount of time, like writing the journal, yeah, sorting out the deck and setting up, like stacking the deck for. Uh, you have like here's ten cards, then you add two of the visions to it. Here's uh, fifteen more cards, add three more visions. Shuffle those two piles independently and shuffle the rest of the cards underneath that, and then put that together. And that is the new deck once, for the new game. Once you've had your fun, you have to do your homework. You do have to do a bit yeah. of tidying up. Enjoy playing a board game, and then please write me a five-page essay on on what happened in your game. I don't think I've ever written a five-page. No, I've but like, most of a that's sheet the of vibe. A5. That's the vibe, though. It's like you can do a fun thing, but you got to do your homework after. Yeah, I mean, it, like it says, you don't have to, but it really does encourage that it is easiest to understand what is happening if you do all the like pack away properly at the end of the game. Yeah. In theory, you could just keep playing with the same world deck, but the game itself wouldn't evolve yeah. the way it is designed to. But yeah, I I have enjoyed that. We had two more games of that. Yeah. Um, you got to go at being Chancellor. How did you find Chancelling? I mean, I I should have come down on you much hard when you were, you as my citizen attacked me. I was like, you know what? I think I can mediate this. And no, I should have just I should have jumped to exile when I had the chance. To be fair, I only attacked you. Because you picked up on the, the circlet of command, which you had in the previous game, and was how you won the game. Yes, and as the ruler, I should have taken it back and punished you for your insolence. <laughs> I didn't want to have exactly the same scenario play out twice. Insolence. Yes, insolence. <laughs> I wanted oh. a difference. <laughs> and oh, I had a difference. Oh. I have brought more chaos to the world. <laughs> Uh, what about you? You played in the girls? Uh, a very quick thing. Um, I played around a bit with the Steam Deck because the Steam Deck has had an update. Um, Can I have a pin? Uh, yeah, well, that's not what I was going to talk about, but apparently yes. Uh, so the reason I was excited about the Steam Deck update is it uh, purported to fix one of my biggest issues with the Steam Deck and its usability. The big lights. Um, the, the big flashy effect that sometimes happens as a result of a bigger problem, which is... Um, in gaming mode, the sort of nice uh, handheld console-style interface, um, the Steam Deck doesn't like switching primary windows. If you have a program open and you try and open a second window, um, you it's a it's a crapshoot whether it'll open the second window at all, whether it'll flash full screen flashes back and forth trying to decide which is the primary oh, one, um, like whether it'll freeze up. Anything where you're opening an additional window on top of your window mm-hmm. um, just didn't work. And they've updated it so that now um, there's a nice easy window switcher. So if a thing opens a second window, you can press one button and see which windows the program has open. And you can switch which one's primary. And I was yeah. like, that's great because that solves a fundamental problem I've had with the Steam Deck, which is that certain software was only really runnable in desktop mode. Mm. Um, anything that opened a secondary window just didn't 
really work in in gaming mode. Yeah. Um, and this kind of fixes the problem almost. So okay. it does now work. Has it stopped the flashing? It's it's stopped the flashing in my brief limited testing. I can't promise that's the case, okay. but uh, I have not experienced it happening. Um, yeah, now all it'll do is if it opens a second window, it'll either auto open that other window where you can just switch to it, and that's fine. That allows for things like um, uh, certain games in the Epic Store um, will require you to be like, yes, sign me into my Epic account in a little pop-up window before you can play them. Mm -hmm. Um that's those games you previously uh you you could get them to run um fine on on the steam deck but in gaming mode as soon as like you'd use the heroic launcher which is their like linux epic store and the game would would try and boot up but you couldn't see the game cuz it's a new window and now you can just swap over to that window and Yay. you can swap over to the window that you need to click authorize in <laughs> the problem and the reason why this doesn't actually work is the Steam Deck doesn't recognize your controller controls in anything but the first window a program opens. So, um, you can, for example, like, open up your emulator and uh, open up the separate window that the game, the emulated game runs in, but it doesn't recognize your controller. Um, or you can use the heroic launcher to launch into a game, but the game doesn't recognize your controller. Um, so... Hopefully that's just an oversight and it's easy enough to fix because, like, this has very almost fixed that problem. Mm -hmm. And when that is fixed, it's going to really open up a lot of basically all the software that I, the, the only reasons I was having to switch to desktop mode will go away. And I kind of appreciate that. But it's 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 so indicative of how Valve has been with the Steam Deck where it's like, Oh, you fixed that problem. Oh, no, okay, you, you didn't. Like, it's the kind of thing that, like, if you'd put this in the hands of one person who has, like, been using this as a player, they could have pointed out, yeah, but my controller doesn't work. And, like, that that seems like such an obvious thing that you would check. It seems like such a weird thing to not catch. Because that's the whole reason you would have this update. Mm -hmm. So that's... That was exciting and then frustrating, but it is exciting because, like, it seems like we're 90% of the way to having the good fix. Uh, what about you? Have you played anything else? Um, yeah, I played one other thing. I have been playing Under Falling Skies. Oh, this is a board game that was a uh, print and play. Yes. But has shipped as, like, a boxed thing. So at the beginning of lockdown, they released as a, I think, like a nine-page print and play. You have like a bunch of things you print out to be your sky, and it has little icons on it, and you move these um, like enemy spaceships down, and you have a, like yeah. a, a mothership that, um, if any of the ships get shot down, they'll be sort of redistributed from there. But also, if the mothership gets all the way down to the ground level, then you're fucked. It's a little bit Space Invaders. It's basically Space Invaders, <laughs> but dice placement. Yeah. Uh, so you have two grey dice and three, uh, sorry, three grey dice, two white dice. Uh, you roll them all, and any time you place a white dice, you have to roll any re-roll any unused dice. Mm -hmm. And you have a, a little underground area. So you, you're um, initially like you have a row of AA guns at the top, which means that if you put any any dice you put in there, the peop uh, the enemies will move down one less. Uh, than they would usually. Yeah. Um, basically, you have to put 
a die in each of the five columns. Yeah. And whatever number you put on the die, uh, or whatever the value of uh, pips there are on the die, then the aliens will move down that many places. Ah, so, so it's a case of, do I move them carefully down, or do I want to really go for it? Because mm-hmm. uh, all the while you're trying to gain enough energy to use certain functions, so it might be... Um, I want to scramble some fighters, and if there are any uh, aliens on certain icons, it looks like a little explosion that will have a number on it, and any aliens uh, on those when you activate the scramble things, based on what number you have on the scramble action, Mm. it will shoot down everything that number and below. Yeah. And sometimes that will cost you energy, and there's uh, just sometimes... Generating more energy will cost you energy. So it's like, do you have enough to to generate more on that? But the most important thing is research. Mm. Because you are trying to push this research track up to the top. And as soon as you hit that top, that's it. Game over. You win. Mm. But if the aliens get to the top, if the the mothership gets to the bottom, you you lose. If enough enemies hit the bottom of the the board, you lose. Mm. And th- there is a certain strategy to, there's like arrows on the columns for, for the aliens. Mm. So you want maybe want to move them down in such a way that they shift over and you end up with a clear column. Or maybe mm. a couple of clear columns. Mm. And then like, I'm going to place a one on there. So the AA means that they go min- uh, minus one of whatever is on the pip. Which means they don't move this turn, but I can put high value die into things in the other columns Mm. but also you have you're trying to excavate more rooms below the surface Mm. so you can spend uh points on the on a die to move your excavator forward Mm. and uncover more powerful rooms because all the best rooms are way at the bottom of the the thing yeah um so yeah it's it's pretty pretty fascinating on its own as that but also The uh, box version of the game is... uh, Firstly, it's got all custom pieces in it. It's got nice little plastic aliens. Mm. Uh, The boards are all really nice. And it has a uh, four-part campaign. So you have uh, different cities to defend, which each each have their own superpowers. Uh, You will have uh, different uh, characters that you can play as. And they will support you and they'll give you extra like advantages. Like maybe they'll let you change the value on your die. But that once that power is used, you don't get to use that person anymore. Hmm. Um, it's been really fascinating so far. I am think I'm just about to start the third part of that. So hmm. I'm four, five games in, maybe. Yeah. Um, so I've played, yeah, played the like introductory game and then the first four of the the main campaign, yeah. so yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. That is a nice little thing to do as a as just a solo board game. You could probably sit down and strategize with somebody if you wanted, but it's also nice to just have a thing that is just like a sit and ponder over. Yeah. What about you? Have you played anything else? Uh, I think that's it for me. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Right. Um. So we're we're several episodes now deep into our uh, our new series. Yes. And I, I thought we'd been, we'd been quite clear about the romance when we'd been writing it. You yeah, see. yeah, there were lots of longing looks. We put Indeed. those in there. Lots of sort of uh, tender touches of the hands, and then a sort of recoil away, but then a sort of, well, maybe I move the hand back. Yeah, yeah. And 
I thought we'd been quite clear because we've written romance stories before, you see. Yeah, yeah. Usually by this point, everyone's gone. Yes, this is a romance. I'm, I'm excited for the romance. Yeah. And for some reason, in our gay firefighters show, yes. um, no one seems to be getting excited about the possibility of romance. Right. What, what? What do you? What do you? What do you? I, I don't know. It's a mystery. It is, is a real mystery. We've. What had... if we killed one of them off? How would that make? How would that progress the romance? Well, then people would see how sad one of them was uh, about the loss of the other one. You see. Well, I mean, but we want them to have the romance. We're just writing a romance right, story. Right. So, like, what if? We... I don't know how much more explicit we can make it. We've had. We've had the. Uh, what is this feeling? Is it love conversation? Yeah. How have they not realized this is romantic yet? That these two men are just staring longingly into each other's eyes. At one last episode, we had the lips literally touching and quivering and almost. How are they not? How are they not on board with this is romance? Is it because we keep killing them off? Hmm. Is it, it because mm. we 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 do this a lot? Is because we like their money, but then I mean, uh, we don't follow through ever. I mean, not even once. I mean, mm, I hadn't considered this, but I mean, we did. We did just finish season eighteen of We Promise They're Straight, in which once again we did sort of do all of these things, and then it turned out they were straight. I mean, and, we did. It was right there in the title. I don't know why people. Uh, exactly. Do it, exactly. Um. Platonic, platonic, not lovers. Um, has just had another season, and hmm, uh, yeah. hmm. I mean, we mm, we maybe had got the romance was a was a wonderful. Oh show. yes, yes. Um, no homo. Like seriously, you know, just had season two. I, yeah. I, mm. I I love the way our shows keep getting 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 renewed for for another series. Hmm. I have just had a memo. Oh, right, yeah. The gay one we're doing. Oh. It's just not been renewed for a second oh, season. Oh, well. Well, I guess we'll just have to, uh, we'll, we'll just leave it as it is, I, I suppose. Ah, I'm no. sure it'll be fine with that cliffhanger we had planned. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, I, uh, I picked these deals just for you. Last, last day for the deals. No, no, thank you. But I, but I, I picked them for you. I'm sure you did. No, thank you. Am, am I wait? Am I am I am I wasting my time? I I didn't ask for these deals. But these deals, the like you you agreed, you signed up. We okay. We said I you mean, could only have the freebie if you signed up to our newsletter, well, and then you forgot to cancel it. Yeah. And you said that we could send you information about our deals. Yeah. But and that, now I've sent you information about your deals. Yeah, and but, but I, that, I don't see you, you you jumping on any of these. The last day as well. I mean, I'm not obligated. Just because you've offered me deals, it doesn't mean I'm obligated to, to, to take one of the deals. Oh, you think you're too good for my deals? No, I just don't. Yeah. Should want... I be picking better de deals? I just don't want any. Is this my fault? Have I picked the wrong de deals? <laughs> no, I just, I just am not interested. Well, the unsubscribe button is right down there. Okay. Email not found in our database. <laughs> so, <gasps> what have you put in your eye? I've watched a couple of interesting YouTube videos this week. Oh. Um, I've watched an hour-long documentary called Polybius, the video game that doesn't exist, uh, on the YouTube channel uh, Ahoy, A-H-O-Y. Um... Have you ever heard of Polybius? I suspect I have watched this very um, documentary. Yeah. 
Because there was a bunch of them la- last year or the year before. I guess everyone was like stuck inside. It's like, let's make a thing about Polybius. Yeah, so the, 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 the gist of this is... Um, a couple of decades ago, there started being rumours of an old arcade machine that um, existed... Like, in one location, I think in Portland, that was very short-lived and then got taken away, and there were allegedly photos of the cabinet, and allegedly it was some kind of, like, weird um, government government conspiracy, conspiracy, like, trying to test mind-control stuff on teens or something. Yeah, people were talking about, like, kids being hypnotised, or kids having seizures. Basically one of the earliest video game creepypastas. Yes. Um, The fact that there were, like, men in black that would come and, like remove data from the cabinet Ooh. and like the, the 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 fact that like this clearly non-existent video game doesn't exist isn't the interesting part of the story um this documentary spends an hour basically digging into trying to work out where did this start and where is the origin of this and mm-hmm. not being able to def- like to actually prove but basically tracking it down to one person who very likely was trying to spare it a practical joke and now is afraid to admit what they did. It was on like a um, Usenet route, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so basically it gets tracked back as far as like the first ever mention is on some Usenet group and the identity of the poster on the Usenet forum becomes fairly obvious um, because they were cross-posting in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and like some of the stuff that's really interesting is like the first time it hit mainstream um, notoriety is when it got posted in a video game magazine and like there's a brief interview with um dan reichert i think who was um the editor at that magazine at the time being like yeah i'm pretty sure the person who sent me that tip is the person who made it up and i was Mm -hmm. just i was fooled yeah i'm pretty sure i have seen this one yeah it's it's a it's a really interesting little documentary there's a couple of really good ones yeah and i love that at some point people have decided that um like there is a specific font, there is a specific yeah. look for that cabinet well, that's, that that's... gets used everywhere. Yeah. It was in fucking Loki. It yeah. was in the Loki series. Exactly. And like it, it it's <laughs> been in the background of a Simpsons episode, yes. Polybius. But like the the thing that I like is like, yeah, there is the story of like who who faked this and why. But like it also goes into these really interesting tangents about like people who've made their own fake Polybius games yeah. and um, people who've made their own like uh, bodge job cabinets in the past, yeah. and it's going into the history of the things that like the community has decided are canon. Yeah, lots of things that um like people have made um like nice uh like monitor out. I can't remember what you call them, like basils. Yeah, monitor basils for their main cabinets with Polybius yeah. on. Yeah, um, looking at like faked uh, alleged PCBs from inside cabinets mm-hmm. and like debunking them. It's just a really interesting hour or so. And then there's also um, the Polybius heist, the Ashens movie. Yes, which <laughs> I, again, like this gave me an appreciation for why a heist for a copy of Polybius would be an interesting premise. You yeah. see. <laughs> Um, what about you? What have you been watching? Oh, we watched a thing together. What did we watch? We watched the Gay Pirate Show. We watched, uh, what, what's it called? Our uh, Flag, Our Flag Means, Means Death. Death. Yeah. Um, we binged that in a single sitting and by God, that needs a second season. <laughs> oh, yes. That, <sighs> there was a point, like, not talking about spoilers, there was a point during that first season where I was like, I want this to have a happy ending because it's a gay show and gay shows don't get re- renewed for a second season. Yeah. You can't. 
I was like, Taika Waititi, you're doing a very good show here, but you probably don't realise how unlikely you are to get a second season because mm. you put gay shit in this. Please just end it here. And now I'm on the camp that needs a season two. <laughs> I need to see a season two. Um, I need answers. Yeah, I do, need answers. Do we want to explain like basic premise of this? Because like, I'd heard a lot of people talking about the gay pirate show and I didn't know anything about it going in. Okay, so there is Steed, who is basically the main character. Yeah. He is a uh, spoiled little rich boy who went sort to of, a private school. Yeah, and... Foppish fancy lad. Yeah, who doesn't doesn't want to have you know the big burly men in his life being like ah uh, you're weak and pathetic. He's like I'll show you I'll go be a pirate. I'm gonna go and be a, a pirate, but like a gentleman pirate. But, but a, a, yes, a gentleman pirate. A nice pirate. A, yes, a polite pirate. I took my library to see. But like it's the it's like hey look hey rough and tumble pirate crew I will pay you a salary you will not be contingent on the treasure we find. You'll get benefits. Yeah, there'll be a like a little rec room downstairs. There'll be lovely um a ballroom yeah let's go let's go be nice happy friendly pirates and the entire cast is wonderful oh yeah there are so many very endearing characters yes the crew are amazing yeah it's by the end of that first episode i was very emotionally invested in the fates of everyone yeah by the by the end of the first episode i was very invested by the end of the seventh episode i was like oh my god i need to know what happens and by the end yeah. i was like i need another thing yeah yeah <laughs> so i really hope this gets renewed because it's very good it's very well written um why wasn't it advertised anywhere because gays because gays because taika watiti put a bunch of gay shit in there but it's oh, so good it's it's real i've been reading some interviews about this after watching it because like I'm fascinated by it's 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 a really interesting little show and like the the most interesting interviews have been about like Taika Waititi and David I forget his surname the other co co creator um basically talking about like hey so we just shot this the way we would any other thing that had a romance narrative in it just it's gay and them having to come to terms with the realization that uh, queer baiting exists, and that's why for several episodes people didn't pick up on the gay shit. They were like, "We're putting it in the same we would any romance. Why are people not picking up that it's romance?" Oh, you've oh you've been let down by by faked romance. I we see. Okay. Yeah. But like, I think they're putting it together exactly the way they would have. Like their complete obliviousness to the state of queer romance allowed them to tell a queer romance story that didn't feel like it was trying to be a queer romance story. It didn't feel tropey. It didn't feel tropey, it didn't feel forced, it just was a f- it, it was just a good dramatic comedy that happened to have some good gay shit in it. Yeah. And I'm very em- oh, the 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 core romance in that I'm so emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. I I need I need everything to be okay. I need everything to be okay. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't have anything spoiled for me about that show. Just, I think, I think the one thing I saw was a meme that said this show's got everything. Um, he's he's she's he they's she they's. Uh, queer relationships, like canon queer relationships, yeah. <laughs> and not just one. It's not just being yeah. like here is the gay relationship. You get this one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, everyone in that is superb. Yeah. It's real good. I need a season two. (laughs) It's it's very sit down and binge the whole thing in one go. Yep. Oh, so good. 
I think that the, one of my favourite moments in that entire show is um, the person standing in the hallway in the in the party episode who's yes. just like, <laughs> I, I go have care. a room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we enjoyed this the perfect way, which was we binged the entire show in one sitting over a bottle of wine, um, over a bottle of very fruity, very fruity wine and uh, takeaway pizza. It mm-hmm. was it was a very good evening. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's very good. Yeah. So, what else have you watched? Uh I watched another interesting YouTube video. Yeah. Um, just finding the 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 name of it. Ooh. Um, how I made the impossible trade between Gen Two and Gen Three on the YouTube channel, uh, Gopia G O P P I E R. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Pokemon, you can generally transfer them from your old games up across through the new games. Mm-hmm. Um. With one exception. Right. Generation 2, Gold and Silver, mm-hmm. up to Generation 3, uh, Ruby and Sapphire on the Game Boy Advance. Right. You cannot trade Pokemon between those generations. Okay. Um, can you go straight to 5? Nope. Um, you can go from 1 to 2, and you can go from 3 all the way up to the modern day. Okay. But there is a barrier between 2 and 3 where you it just, it just isn't doable. Um, huh. And, like, there are ways to get... Generation 1 and 2 Pokemon into your modern collection now through the 3DS mainly. If you play the 3DS remakes, you can just upload them straight to Pokemon Bank. And but not, like, not even through something like Stadium? Uh, nope. J- j- like, y- your physical cartridge Gen 1 and Gen 2 Pokemon will never make it further into modern games. Okay. So, someone went out and made a little custom PCB device for trading between Gens 2 and 3. Um... It's a fascinating little thing. So first of all, he had to like work out how the data was being encoded for the Pokemon you were sending and receiving in Gen 2. Mm-hmm. Do the same on Gen 3. Um, and then start looking at differences between how they work. Like, there are certain things like um, ability, uh, uh, hidden abilities that were introduced in Gen 3 but weren't in Gen 2. So what do you do when you trade a Gen 2 Pokemon to Gen 3? Mm-hmm. Um, things like in... Gen 2, you can unplug the link cable as long as you're not yet trading, and that's fine, but you can't in Gen 3. In Gen 3, you have to move around to go sit down at the trading desk, but you don't in Gen 2. And how you simulate data to tell Gen 3 that there's a player on the other side moving around, even though Gen 2 doesn't send that data. Um, And basically, he made a program that would like run on this little chip, that would interpret the Gen 2 data, uh, translate it into Gen 3 data, would allow the Gen 3 player to basically mirror movements with their trade partner, so it seemed like they were coming to sit down and and trade, uh, that would generate um, abilities when doing the trade, and successfully traded the shiny red Gyarados from Gen 2 into Gen 3, and had it successfully work with all of its stats intact. Um, I there's a part of me that wants to email this person and be like, "Can, can I get one? Can I can I pay you to make <clears throat> one? How difficult it is to make? Because I kind of want one. That's fascinating. This weird little device. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a real interesting video. Um, also, I don't remember the YouTube channel. I will try and look it up in a second. I watched another video right after that that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. That was. Someone made a challenge of trying to catch every gen uh, g- generation two Pokemon in the first generation Pokemon game. Um, 
So you know how missing no is a thing. The the you've you've come up with a uh, a Pokemon that doesn't exist and it's like loaded up this placeholder garbage. Right. Missing no is not just one thing. Missing no shows up. Uh, so there is one byte of data, two hundred and fifty six uh entries yes. that dictates what Pokemon gets called and um, like what that marks which Pokemon a Pokemon is in a list. Okay. So anything under over one hundred and fifty. Is technically an index number that if you trade that missing note to Gen two, will be a Gen two Pokemon. Huh. Um. Now there are. But that's surely got to just be luck, right? Um. So you can work like people have worked out what the index numbers are, like by cross referencing with Gen two and going, okay, that means that. Um. And you can you can specify which index number you want. The same way that the old um, uh, making a Mew spawn glitch worked. Right. Where there is, you walk in front of a trainer and teleport away before you can encounter them and it makes a certain thing Okay, appear. so you're manipulating data in memory. Yeah. Basically, you need to get a Pokemon, you need to fight against a Pokemon that has the special stat that is exactly equal to the index number you're looking for. Right. And then do this glitch. And you will get the correct index number show up. Okay. The problem is, in trying to trade to, from Gen 1 to 2, is that that missing no will get recognised in Gen 2 as the right Pokemon. So yeah. let's say, oh yeah, I recognise that's a Marill. But because of the way it's shown up, like Gen 1 didn't know what types those Pokemon were, you might have a rock-type Marill rather than a water-type. Oh, wow. And Gen 2 knows to check whether the type's right and goes, yeah, that ain't right, and won't accept it. Okay. So you then get into arbitrary code execution to change the type Jeez. of your missing no to make its type the correct type so that it will trade. Fun fact, Pokemon that only have one type in Gen 1 actually have that type twice. Um, so a fire type, if it's just fire type, fire will be fire. a fire fire type. Okay. And he had to work out how to arbitrary code execution, not just the first type, but the second type as well. Okay. But he started successfully trading missing nose into Gen 2 and having them show up as the Pokemon they were meant to be. That's wild. Um, not every Pokemon is doable. There's a couple of weird exceptions that largely revolve around... Um, sometimes it won't spawn a missing nose. Sometimes it'll pull something um, from game data that's also in that list. Like... Um, not everything above 150 is a Pokemon. Some of them are like the Professor Oak battle that oh, you okay. can catch a wild Professor Oak. Um, <laughs> that's a bit weird that you can do. But like some of them were not capturable missing nose, but like they did a surprisingly good job of catching Gen 2 Pokemon in Gen 1 and trading them over. And before anyone says there's 151 in Gen 1, I'd like to point out that the number probably starts from zero. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that was an interesting video, and I'll try and find the the YouTube creator's name, but also, I, I don't know if I can find it. I watched it like It'll a week ago. It'll be history. It will, but I watched it like a week ago. I'll have to go digging. Mm. What about you? What did you watch? Oh, what did I watch? What did I watch? I think, you know, I think that was it. Yeah? It's not well, been a we, watch every week. I mean, we've been watching something together. Oh yes, we have been watching Adventure Tim. Adventure Time. We're, yeah. we're 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 a little way into season four. Oh yes. Um. So yeah, how have you been finding this rewatch? Awesome. I love Adventure Time. It's great. It is. <laughs> so yeah, this is my first time properly watching through um, Adventure Time, and uh, okay. So I think we might have talked a little bit about season one last week. But... I think we we vaguely touched on it, but I I've now seen enough that I have like more fleshed out thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um. 
So season one, it's very clear they had the core uh, characters and characterization they wanted down, and like the the core idea was there. There are some elements of season one that like they kind of just overplay a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, season one is very F Finn likes cute girl who's older than him. Um, Ice Ice King wants princess. It's it's very centered on women as object um, plot oh, yeah. lines, um, and like there, there, there's a lot of that. But like at its core, I think season one like has a has a good sense of the characters and the sense of humor and the tone, but it doesn't necessarily know where it wants to go with that. Mm. Um, or it very much seems to just want to keep being that. Yeah, like it wants to be. He is the hero, and he saves all the princesses. Yeah, because basically every woman in the show is a princess. That being said, like se season, oh, yeah, as as much as I enjoyed season one, season one has a lot of like, it'll come up with plot threads and then kind of just decide that it doesn't like them anymore. Like one of the very first things that's established is, oh, um, Jake, the dog, has this conflict where. He wants to spend more time with both his girlfriend, um, Lady Rainicorn, and uh, um, Finn, Finn the Human. Finn. And it's set up like... It seemed like it was trying to suggest sometimes Jake won't be around for every adventure because he does have a life outside of Finn. And then nothing ever comes of that. You don't see Rainicorn for another season and a half. And it's like... There's a few things like that that seem like they're interesting. Like, oh yeah, here's some... Here's some nuance to that character. And no, we're just gonna we're gonna drop it and run instantly. I mean, it is Adventure Time with Finn and Jake, so yeah, I can kind of see why we don't get so much of that. But I, also, I, I, I see your point. I mean, yeah, uh, look, it's Adventure Time with Finn and Jake. The core of the show is them, but like, I expected one or two episodes maybe in that first season of oh. Jake's doing something else for a bit with Rainicorn or something. Or even just Rainicorn being a, being present in other episodes. Like, there's some there's some stuff like that that's like, yeah, you're clearly finding your footing. And now um, we've had stuff with uh, Lady Rainicorn's parents. Yes, yes. Um, we've seen some stuff from Finn and Jake's dad. Yeah. Um. So yeah, season, season two definitely feels like it's getting its footing and it's getting a bit more adventurous with... A thing that was clearly planned to be part of the plot since the first episode, because it's sort of there in the intro. The, um, hey, this is the remnants of a world that came before, uh, in the aftermath of a certain, um, yeah. yeah like, look, season two uses the phrase the Mushroom Wars. Yep, and we also get, like, uh, we get, um, I can't remember, yeah, I think it is season two. We got our first sight of uh, Susan Strong and the people yeah. who live in the underground. Yes, we live it. Who live in the uh, the bunker underground yep. and like season two feels like where the show is like it's realised maybe that its strength lies in cute fun absurdity, but sometimes the absurd punchline actually is something, and we'll come back later. Mm -hmm. And contrasting the cute silly nonsense with like with the dark stuff because the contrast makes both of them stand out better. Mm -hmm. Um season 3 definitely feels like it's trying to pivot more into that direction but also that it's trying to pivot more towards 
fleshed out character dynamics and mm. characters being more than their one note character trope and and less of a it feels like more things in the show have consequences yes and it feels like we're getting more little looks at the at the wider state of the world um you're getting things like hey here's your first little glimpse at how the ice king ended up here yep we're getting some sense of like what are the interplay between the various factions in this world? What are maybe some of the big threats that are going to eventually become a problem? Yeah, we've, <laughs> got, we've got a first sighting of um, Marceline's dad, Hunts and Ab- Abadir. We did. Um, we've, we've started to get some of the episodes with um, child-appropriate body horror. Yeah, we got the lich. Yeah. We've started to get the stuff that I would describe as like being like Ko the Face Stealer in Avatar The Last Airbender, the because this is for children, we have to get creative about our horror, and in such, it's going to be far more horrific than it would have been if we could just have violence. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, some, some of that shit's been interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, end of season three into start of season four has very much felt like it's trying to course correct some of the complaints I have about season one in particular, in that, like, it's starting to do things like addressing... Hey, Finn and Princess Bubblegum are not necessarily age appropriate, and introducing age appropriate characters for Finn to be interested in, and like it seems like it's trying to, it's starting to rid of some of the ick. It's it's <sighs> it feels like it's finally having its moment of let's look critically at what we did before and work out if without having to necessarily retcon we can move in a different direction, mm-hmm. and. I am feeling really confident. The show feels like it's on a very good trajectory. It's yeah. it's going from strength to strength, which is really nice to see. You saw Marceline's t-shirt. I I did. Yes, we saw, we saw Marceline's teddy bear. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. Um. Yeah. We've we've seen like whole bits of that. We've had yet more Marceline backstory stuff. Um. We've now had our second episode with Marceline's dad. And yeah. what a massive jerk he is. Uh, we've seen the Fire Kingdom at last. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise it took this long for Flame Princess to be a character. Yeah, and Flame Princess's dad. Yeah. Who is also a complete jerk. It's... The, the show has been really interesting, and I... It reminds me somewhat of early... Steven Universe or early Avatar The Last Airbender in that sort of the thing that feels like the show's hook doesn't show up initially Mm. and if you watch the first couple of episodes and go this feels like you know it feels like it's going nowhere and it's I'm not sure if I'm interested Mm. like there is something more and if you can just enjoy what it is at the start in spite of its issues, it, it, it is on a trajectory somewhere. Mm-hmm. In that same sort of way. Yeah. yeah. Have you watched anything else? Um, I've, I, The only other thing I've watched is I've, I've, I've been trying to watch through some of that, uh, the ocean cut of Naruto, the uh, oh, yes. fan edit that I mentioned the other week. Yes, yes. Um, the main thing that's been slowing me down is um, this is one YouTuber's personal fan edit they've made and therefore... Getting the files downloaded is sometimes a little spotty, mm-hmm. um, but like I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I've watched the first um, four-hour-long 
episodes. For anyone that's watched Naruto, I am basically up to um, the Haku fight um, near the start. Um, Sasuke's just used the, sh the Sharingan for the first time. This is this is such a better paced way to revisit Naruto. I forgot how much I like Naruto. It's good. Even these early episodes are they're good. I'm I'm invested in in Naruto and I'm going to be binging it. And while I don't have a huge amount to say right now, once I get to the later sections, I'm sure I will have more to say because it's gonna get dramatic. Mm -hmm. Um, you watch anything else? Not necessarily this week, but there is a series I've been watching that I keep thinking to bring up and then forgetting about completely. Yeah. Have you seen any of Vulo Lives? Um, I, if I have, I don't know it by name. This is the new project from um, uh, Jason Steele of Film Cow. Okay, no, I, I, have, the Unicorn. I haven't seen any of this. What if uh, a weird centipede bug thing uh -huh. uh, was wearing the face of an anime girl? Uh-huh. And had a like a late night chat show. Uh-huh. And the co-host was the one true moon, who just sort of ominously goes mm. This sounds like something the creator of Charlie the Unicorn would make. <laughs> and they've had such uh guests so far as Sonic the Hedgehog, Elsa, <laughs> Pikachu, <laughs> Grimace. Uh-huh. Uh it's it's fucking wild. Yeah, having not seen any of it, but just knowing the creator's previous work, I was going to say chaotic was the word I was going to guess. Um, chaotic? Weirdly political? Okay. Um, like, the most recent episode is, is the, the guest is Grimace. Right. Grimace has recently been assassinated by Ronald McDonald. Uh-huh. Come back to life. We talk about the the anatomy of a grimace. <laughs> what well, like the the state of of McDonald's as a, as a company. He, mm -hmm. And I think all of the episodes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure every episode ends with like a little five minute story about basically like nasty shit in history, but also like from the point of view of America was very much involved in a lot of this, like. Well, overthrowing communist governments and so forth. Yeah. Um. Then there's also like, uh, I think it's Henry Kissinger is stuck in one of the pages from Mist. Uh, uh huh. You, you remember in Mist? Yeah. Like, no, with I with the little static yeah, I pages. I remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Henry Kissinger is stuck in one of the the pages from Mist, <laughs> and uh -huh. I think that's from the first episode. So not too many spoilers there. It's it's strange just the way this. What would be quite a creepy character is just like, Hi, I'm Vulo the Face Borrower. Which is what made me think about it, because you mentioned um, the face stealer. the face stealer, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. Yeah, Vulo lives. It's a fascinating show. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, like 10 minute, 11 minute episodes. Neat. And the marionette that tells the horrifying, that tells the horrifying world history stories at the end is really fucking good. It's creepy, but it's like a very cool puppet. Yeah. And it has a like just whoever built the set behind it, like there's so much detail in there, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Have you watched anything else? Well, that's everything I've watched this week. Well then <gasps> time for this. Oh new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you sometimes... Okay, picture the, picture the scene. I'm picturing the scene. I have aphantasia, but I'm trying to picture okay. a scene. 
put words together of the scene. Conceptualise the scene. Conceptualise the scene. You had a workman come oh. around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to look at that shower that hasn't worked for six months for you. Oh, did I, like, book them in? Did I know they were coming? Nah. Oh, they just showed up. Nah, we, so we, we're going to come around and have a look at it, right? Yeah, okay. You're going fi- to fix it? No, they're not going to fix it. No. They're just going to have a look at it. And they've just come back right now and they, they, ju- they just want to fix it right this second. No, that was last week. Oh. They were like, okay, okay, thanks, we've had a look at it, bye. And you had nothing. Oh. And you contacted the landlord and nothing. Now here it is, like... 10 minutes to 5 you've got shit to do I've got bleach on my hair I need the shower bleach on your hair knock 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 hey we're back to sort out the shower Um, I know you've been waiting 6 months for it um uh, I really don't want to tell them to go away because it needs to be done but also how long is this going to take I need to get the bleach off my hair at some point so my hair doesn't fall out and and this really isn't convenient I want to tell them to fuck off but oh what do I do this week's sponsor is Politeness Translator you simply type in your unfiltered feelings into the app and it'll read out a polite, sanitised response that you are, you're, you're meant, probably meant to respond with rather oh. than just telling them oh, okay. yeah, let how me, you really feel yeah. or just just going, yeah, it's okay, it's well, fine. Let, let me show you. Let's, we'll just type it in. Hey, this is not fucking cool, yeah? I mean, you vanished. You said we'd get a report. We didn't get a report. We didn't get anything like that. And as you can see, I'm not really ready for this right now this is not a good time like even an hour's warning would have been cool this is this is not fucking cool do you understand why this isn't fucking cool just a warning uh or or get someone else to give us a warning so that we can do the thing because this is not fucking okay but i do want you to fix the shower see you play uh type that into the app Okay, it says, uh, this isn't the most convenient time, but I can probably make it work. Can you give me an estimate how long you need? And in future, can you give me at least 24 hours notice so that I can plan my life around this? Because it's quite inconvenient to expect me to drop things to do this. As per our contract, yes. Okay, okay, that works. So under the code, QMPS... 209, and you can get an ad-free version of the app for absolutely free on Apple and Android. Well, that's good, because then I won't have to awkwardly stand waiting for an ad to pass while they're stood there waiting for me to respond. That would be quite awkward. Yeah, they might have to hear about Audible. Oh, oh no. (laughs) That's Politeness Translator. Look it up. You can find it on, as said, the App Store or the other App Store that is on the different thing. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, I've been looking at new ways we can generate revenue. Right. Yeah, I love money. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, we, we make a reasonable amount of money off of uh, those uh, those retro uh, platformers we got in our uh, old back catalog. Yeah, but we're selling them for like a buck each right now. Well, exactly. Like, you know, we've sold these so many times that like, you know, the price has just sort of naturally gone down over time. And like, yeah. I've, I've been trying to work out how can we how can we make more money off them? So I got a plan. Right. I got a two step plan. First step. We make a new bundled version of the uh, of the the games. We take like the th- the three games that everyone likes, and rather than 
sell them one by one, we make one package that's got all three of them. And like, you know, we can we can upcharge a little bit there, you know, like we're we're going to make it so that you're not buying them piecemeal. Here's a collection with all of them. Right. And like people aren't going to buy that because it's more expensive. But that's and... not all of our content, right? We're just going to make four or five of of them the most beloved ones. Ah, exactly. So like here's here's what I'm saying. We take we we take a few, we make a collection that right. costs more than they would be individually to uh to to buy and we right. make a right. You know, we make a collection no one wants because it's yeah. expensive and it's not letting people just buy the game they want. Right, and we're just going to make it, like, widescreen or something, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So here's part two right. of the of this. We delist the originals from all of the uh, all of the online stores. Yeah, yeah. So you, you don't want to buy the collection that's more expensive and not really any better. Right. But you can't just buy the original of the one game you like. Right. You have to buy the collection and get upcharged because it's the only way to get them anymore. Especially after we shut down all those ROM sites. Exactly. You are a fucking genius. I know. So, <gasps> what have you put in your ears? I'm gonna be honest, all I have listened to is Despite What You've Been Told by the Two Gallants on repeat for a week. Oh wow, okay. Despite what you've been told, I once had a soul left somewhere behind a former friend of mine. I, I, the, the words to it are just seared into my brain. I have listened on repeat. It, okay, I've listened to one other thing. I've been watching the, um, the My Chemical Romance Shrine reunion show from LA from like two years ago before the pandemic. Because... You're going to go and see them uh, soon. Yeah, it's going to be um, like a week and a half after this episode goes up. Mm -hmm. I'll be seeing them. Like it's 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 about two weeks away when we record. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be seeing wow seeing them 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 my chemical romance boys. Wow's our time. Yeah. So time I've just I've just been watching their reunion show from two years ago on uh, on loop a little bit, going. Ah, I'm gonna see them. Yeah, you, yeah, I'm glad you're gonna go and get to see them. I'm yeah. very hyped for you to go and see the thing. Yeah. What about you? What you've been listening to? Uh, lots of, um, fax call mixes, I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find... They're mostly just numbered mixes, <laughs> I'll be honest. Have we both been having a week of find the one thing that works and just listen to lots of, of that? I mean, like, I I downloaded a bunch of, uh, the fax call mixes off of, uh, YouTube. They're, they're almost all labelled drum and bass hyphen reggae mix volume something. Mm-hmm. And I've got, like, 16 of them saved on my phone. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Um, I have been learning Contact Staff recently. Oh, and yeah. Weirdly, although I've always struggled to, to do poi to drum and bass, yeah. I'm finding Contact, contact Staff actually works quite well with drum yeah. and bass. It's, 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 it's big and thumpy enough to seem I mean, appropriate. Uh, yeah, I mean, you obviously you don't want to go too fast because you need yeah. to keep control of it, and it is a big stick. Yes. And you can potentially just bash yourself in the leg or yeah. the head or various other bits. But, like, yeah, it's been really nice to sort of just, like, been a bit sunny. I wear my mask on the, on the way up. I find a good space. 
and then I hold a six foot stick <laughs> in, so that no one can get too close to me and I throw it around in a, in a manner that suggests I don't really know what I'm doing so no one gets close to me so I don't feel too bad about being unmasked up a hill Yay! Uh, in the sunshine um, yeah and it's been nice to get back to it post um, post Rona as well yeah. Just be like, I can get back in the sun and hit myself with a oh. stick for an hour. Need to start going in the hammock soon. Yeah, hammock weather. Oh, nice weather, please. I want hammock weather. Mm-hmm. You get in the hammock, I'll throw a stick around. It'll be great. Yeah. yeah. I can take the hammock up near where you're taking the stick. Yeah, and I yeah. will stand slightly further away so I don't yep. hit you with that, the stick. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying that. Lots of good... Lots of good classic drum and bass tunes, lots of good reggae stuff, and just good sunshine music. Yay! Yeah, what about you? That's everything I've listened to. Well then! <gasps> oh, I have one other thing. Oh, oh tell me about the um, other thing. SCP Foundation, or SCP Archive. Mm-hmm. Um, I have listened to episodes 10 and 11 of Project Serapis, which has obviously been their most recent long-running series. Going backwards through time, learning about what this thing is, and there is only one more episode left, and I believe that might already be out. Because I think their release day is Tuesday, and today <gasps> is Tuesday. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, if you have been waiting to binge that whole thing, now is your chance. Um, it's it's a fascinating story, and the fact that it is told sort of backwards through time, zeroing in on what this thing is yeah and like what are all the parties involved and what is happening and like how that has affected people and the whole area in general and the people that live there and secrets hmm. um it's just a fascinating story about a particular part of the world and things you find in nature that are not necessarily natural or from round here Uh, I don't want to say anything else but it's a fascinating story and so far there is like god they're like half hour episodes so I guess Mm. there's like nearly six hours or will be about six hours worth of content by the time that is done it is well worth it's a fascinating story give that a look and that is everything I have listened to (gasps) well then time for this Having trouble working out how to make a project more interesting? Mm-hmm. Make it gayer! Novel? <gasps> gayer! Corporate presentation? Yes. Gayer. Ooh. Coffee and donuts? <gasps> what to wear? Your government? Ooh. And painting? <gasps> Pottery? <gasps> the city you live in? Gayer! Ew. Why'd you have to rub it in our faces? Nobody wants your bigoted face anyone near us, Steve the Fascist. That's why we're loading you into this very gay trebuchet and launching you into the sun. Plang! Yeah. No, no. Except it is around here because we made it much gayer by getting rid of the fascist. La 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 Cake? Thank you. It's got rainbow frosting. And the world was better. Do you like really struggle to find TV shows and stuff to watch? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a challenge. Yeah, I I mean I'm really lucky. My my partner, you know, the yeah. one who wears a tricorn hat. Oh yeah, yeah. Always just can find me all the best shows. Oh. Want to see a yeah. show about pirates? Can find you a show about pirates. Want to oh. see the new superhero thing? 
Just I yeah. just I get home and 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 they have found me the the, the superhero. Is, is that is that that friend with the uh with with the with the hook with the hook with the hook yeah and the eye patch yeah and the the peg leg and the ship yeah 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 they're yeah. really good at finding finding media for you. I mean we're 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 polyamorous, so if you'd like to join the polycule, you too could be dating my pirate bay. <laughs> I want to see more of. What do you want to see more of? Martial Justice Warriors. Martial Justice Warriors. Yeah. All right, Larry. All right, Larry. How are you doing? Oh, uh, you know, a bit, a bit sleepy, mate. You know. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, yeah. You been up to much? Oh, I've just been watching the uh, palaver that is uh, billionaire trying to single-handedly as an individual buy a social media platform. Well, from what I understand, he succeeded, hasn't he? I believe so at this point. It, it, uh, basically, just dotting the, the T's and crossing the I's and whatnot. Yeah, all the, uh, the paperwork stuff, I suppose. Yeah, so... Uh, it's got I noticed the fascists are very happy about it. Oh, they us. are, they are. They are very much, and I'm not surprised. But the thing, the thing I've been thinking about a bunch is... Uh, uh, how much this just points out the... Uh, you know, we already knew it was a lie, but this is a great example to point to of the lie billionaires say that, like, oh, I can't fix all the world's problems. You know, people will point out, like, oh, you've got a net worth of uh, X number of billion dollars, and they'll go, oh, you know, it's not liquid, it's not money I have access to, I can't spend that. Right, up until you want to buy a social media platform just so you can kick off your ex-wife's new girlfriend oh yeah exactly and so that you can you know block you have a block button for anyone that's like oh yeah oh you made fun of me you're off you're off the platform now oh because like here's the thing that like i've seen this comparison made a few times i think it's a fair one to make yeah Uh, so you see a while ago um the un pointed out that like two percent of elon musk's uh, net worth uh, six billion dollars would be enough to essentially end global hunger. And yeah. Uh, and he said, get, if you can show me a, a, you a, know, de- a, well, a detailed plan. Detailed plan of how that would work, then I will do that. Yeah. And, and then they, he they, gave they, away uh, $6 billion in Tesla stock, which <laughs> seems to have been some kind of write off in order to stop someone investigating him. And also a way of driving up the value of the remaining stock. Yes. And also there's no proof that in any way any of that giving away was connected to passing money onto the, the yeah, no, World no, Health Organization. No, none of it actually went to that thing. He basically gave six billion of his stock to a different company he owns in a thing that he can point at and go see i gave away six billion without actually giving away any money and now i don't have to pay any tax at all exactly but like anytime a billionaire tells you like they cannot fix the world's problems like oh uh, that money's not actual money it's just hypothetical it's like no if you want to spend 45 billion buying a social media platform needlessly you have that power just like if you wanted to buy a uh uh, a, a two-bedroom home for every homeless person in America, you could do it and have money left over. Like, yeah. you, are, you are wealthy beyond... Like, you, you have spent more than, like, the, the income of entire nations on buying a social media platform that you didn't need to purchase just because you felt like it, and billionaires are evil. They should not exist. Absolutely. It's, it's you know... 
morally uh, completely reprehensible to uh, to have that much money at all. Yeah, these people could could fix the planet any second they wanted. They just don't want to. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Ugh. Hug? Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah, hug. yeah, yeah. Ah, good hug, mate. Good hug. Yeah. Right, I think we're going to pop the kettle on. Oh, I'm going to have a nice nap, I think. Nice, nice. So, Laura. Mm-hmm. Whale. <laughs> That's not the sound a whale makes. There's a chicken. Maybe it's a very silly whale. <laughs> uh-huh. Do you want to talk about who hunts the whale? Okay. Uh, who hunts the whale is a silly and serious satirical book, definitely satirical, about the video game industry that is becoming increasingly difficult to parody because, was it the other day we were like, this is worthy of the book. Yeah, earlier today I was reading a thread and being like, oh, that's the kind of cartoonish shit that's in the book, huh? <laughs> The, the reality is trying its best to catch up with our ridiculous parody. Never catch up with our parody. It's the point is it's supposed to be the way uh -huh. it is. Ah, uh, but yeah, it's it's a fun book. We have just done the first development draft, so yeah. it's now got even more talky bits. Yeah, and even more developed characters. And yeah, I think it looks great. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. It's coming together great. I'm very mm -hmm. proud of it. And you can pre-order it now. Uh, unbound.com slash books slash whale. Oh, heck. Uh, yeah, people are still supporting that. We are up yeah. to 108% now. <gasps> yeah. Very excited. Nice. Yeah. And do you want to tell us about My Dysphoria Monster and Me? Uh, me and My Dysphoria Monster. You know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean, but also I've got to say it the right way around for branding because I've got to be consistent. I've got to be able to search it. Yeah, it's an illustrated children's book. It's coming out on August 18th, 2022. That's like less than four months away now. It's rapidly approaching. Go check it out. You can pre-order it wherever books happen. Um, other than that, I'm a Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. I've got that good, consistent branding. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Um, if you would just like to see my accessibility-related content, there is a website for that, specifically for that now. You can go to access-ability.uk and all of my pieces are there with written versions and videos and it's all there in one place and there's a little box where if you want to get emails whenever a new episode goes up you can get emails when when new episodes go up so that's that's the thing um what about you what you do where are you on the internet um well i couldn't get the unified branding so i have a website do it for me streamerlinks.com slash janiac j-a-n-e-i-a-c uh, uh you can find all of my links to my Redbubble and um the, my website that means <laughs> updating i'll get time again at some point and all of the things i do music under the name bedroom programmer i need to get back to that uh many things that i have created and will continue to create and try and get back to as soon as i am medicated properly <laughs> and also uh patreon.com stonedmonkey radio I'm getting close to, to 30 <gasps> Patreons. I'm very excited about that. And you can help me for as little as a dollar a month. And it is the dollars a month that really... Yeah. Consistent dollar a month. Very helpful. Suddenly someone dropping out at a very high amount 
terribly scary. Yeah. One or two people at a dollar going, okay, I understand. You have your own shit to deal with. I hope you're okay. Oh, also, um, I, I, sorry, I've just realised I have a thing to pitch and I, I, I forgot to mention it. Oh, heck. Is that okay for me to mention? Patreon.com slash Radio. You can just... Thank you, help. Go. Uh, if you are listening to this after Friday, uh, go look on my Twitter for mentions of a musical band that I have mentioned in some capacity. Uh. If you're listening to this before Friday, um, well... Wait until Friday and then check my, my Twitter at twitter.com slash laurakbuzz. There will probably be a little snippet of music from a band and me being very excited about it in some capacity. Mm, but we cannot say why or how. No, well, by Friday I'll be able to say why and how, yeah. and I'm excited about that, so go check that out. I'm very excited out. for that as well. It's yeah. very cool. I, the finished version I keep listening to on loop going, oh, it's so cool. It's and, a great girl. And, yeah. I... Uh, anything else? Mm, really sing us out, please, darling. <gasps> Until next time, be a stranger. <laughs>